welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and when I tell you this episode nearly fucking didn't happen for every reason under the sun, everything from me, my mood, how I was feeling, my mood, how I was feeling, really not adding anything, am I, to fucking tech issues, the power, my entire building's power has been off for the majority of the day. And I've been harassing these people. Like, when are you going to get it done? When are you going to get it done? I have a lot of money on the line. I have people who are waiting to hear from me. (laughs) And then tech issues within the home. I mean, my Wi-Fi isn't even on. I'm on a hotspot right now. Like, shit is wild. And against all odds, here we are together. So let's make the most of it. I will warn you, I'm in an absolute shit mood, which... Quite frankly, I don't even feel any sort of way about because I challenge anyone who's in my position right now to not be in a shit mood. Oh my God. Um, Also, my dog just... (laughs) Okay, so just breaking the fourth wall a little bit this episode... I have lights set up, right? Because a bitch is recording video and the lights are plugged in the hallway and I have the door kind of shut as much as possible. But one of the wires is pretty high, like it's stretched out as much as it can be. And my dog just tried to hurdle over it and luckily did not knock it down and just cause an absolute disaster in here, which is quite frankly shocking. So... Here we are against all odds. Here we are together. And I just would like to point out that ever since I've been doing solo episodes, I have not missed one week. We are coming up on two years of me doing this shit solo in November. In November, it'll be two years that I've been doing this shit solo. I have not missed one fucking meek week meek. I bet some people wish I did miss a week or two, but I've not missed one fucking week since I've been doing this shit solo. I've flown across the planet. I've had very serious health issues. I, yeah, that's kind of all the excuses I have in the book. And I have never missed a week. Can we just take a moment and celebrate that shit? And when I tell you I did not want to do this this week, but we'll get to that. Before we get to that, I just want to backtrack for a bit. So I finished my JD. (laughs) My cute little doggie is sticking her nose in the door. It's so cute. Okay, Sam, don't hurdle over the cords this time. Please just choose if you want to stay in the bedroom or if you want to stay in the living room and stop going back and forth over the cords. I'm just... Uh, I I wish the cameras were facing that way. Honestly, that's where the show is. That is where the fucking show is. Anyway. Oh, this is... Should I be recording this on my phone? Because this is kind of gold content. What you can't see. Oh, shit. I pulled my phone out at the exact right time to open the door for someone. Okay. That's kind of wild, actually. Because I do have my phone on silent this time. All right, I'm just recording the behind the scenes of this. You really can't. I mean, it's just a tiny slit through the door where she's visible. Oh, she went back to the bedroom. Yeah, that's probably the right decision. Oh, my God. She's trying to charge up to it to hurdle over it. You know what? Fuck blush. Fuck everything I'd planned. We're just going to turn this into like a Samantha watch party now. 
<laughs> so that's basically what's happening. And frankly, I tried to record it with my phone, but you really can't get good. Good. Um, whatever, whatever. Let's move right along. Okay. So if you've been listening for a while, you probably know that I went to law school <laughs> and you may or may not know that I also got my MBA, which actually has no bearing on the story. It's just something I'm throwing in. Lest you forget that a bitch is fucking smart. I got a JD MBA, not just a JD. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> so I finished my degrees um, when did I finish? Okay. I graduated law school in 2017. I took the bar that summer. I technically had one more class to finish for my MBA. So I finished it up during the fall of 2017. So technically my degree is for 2018, but that's neither here nor there. This is why I'm not a good storyteller because I'm telling you so many details that don't fucking matter, but whatever, here we are. So I believe it was that fall, fall of 2017. I just become vegan. I went vegan in May of 2017 and early fall, I decided I'm going to start a blog. I believe what happened was some of my friends from law school said, hey, you should write down any recipes or meal ideas or things like that because I would love to eat more vegan. I mean, maybe I won't go fully vegan, but I'd love to be more vegan and, you know, I'd love resources on that. And so I had this moment where I was like, oh, my God. I should start a blog. I should start a fucking blog. And so I start thinking, okay, what kind of blog? I mean, obviously there will be vegan food, but I, I really had a lot of imposter syndrome around it, not just starting a blog in general, but specifically with food stuff, because I've never been a fucking chef. Like I was not one out here cooking dinners for people. I'd made a handful of things throughout my life. And frankly, most of my cooking skills prior to being vegan was just saving bacon grease and frying things in bacon grease. And like, yeah, shit will taste good if you do that. But it's not like I really knew how to cook properly, you know? And I don't know. I wanted it also to be a little more comprehensive than just food for reasons outside of just my own imposter syndrome, but also because, you know, I'm a multifaceted person. And so <clears throat> I, you know, read a bunch about how to start a blog. I got like a blue host account with the, the, the not Wikipedia, what the fuck is it called? The something plug in and I downloaded the templates and I bought a year long subscription and I set it up and this is so cringe, but I called my blog plants comma love comma and happiness. And it was a play on peace, love and happiness, plants, love and happiness and plants would be both you know, pl eating plants, like being plant-based, but also I was in a process of acquiring all these house plants and I just really wanted to be a fucking expert on house plants. I really am not an expert on house plants. And frankly, Ozzy waters all of our plants. I don't water them when he's around because I just, I fucking hate it. It is the household chore that I hate the most. And I don't know what that says about me. Like, I don't think that's a good look. And when he's not around, I do water them. But I really fucking hate it. Like, I really, really hate it. And do you think that means 
that I'm deep down a bad person and I don't care about living things. And I understand the irony of this because we're knee deep in the middle of me talking about being vegan, which is quite frankly, one of the most selfless things that you can do. (laughs) But I don't know. I just fucking hate watering the plants. Anyway, moving right along, I called it plants, love and happiness, which, you know, now that I say it, it's not that bad of a name at the time or right afterwards. I felt such cringe about it in part because if you don't see the punctuation, it just looks like plants love happiness, which is like a strange thing to say. Like plants just really fucking love to be happy. Something you might not know about plants is they really, really love happiness. Like, did you know? (laughs) So anyway, I'm so excited. I tell a few people. I really, I'm embarrassed, excited, nervous, all those things. And, um, you know, I start posting and stuff and I start posting on my Instagram and I'm like, I'm going to build it up. And I think I changed my Instagram handle to Heva PLH, like as in plants love happiness. Oh God, this poor, poor old version of me. And then I stopped. And I was on such a roll. I was on such a roll. I was really loving it. And then I just stopped. I stopped posting. I stopped posting on the blog. I stopped posting on my Instagram and I started binging. Now at the time, I still had some eating disorder things. So I was definitely, you know, the binging was in response to the restriction, but that doesn't really explain why I gave up on the blog. So let's fast forward a few months and I buy this book called you are a badass or something. Hold on. I have it with me because we're going to do a little bit of reading out loud out of the book. Okay. You are a badass. How to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life by Jen Sincero. If you're watching on video, I'm holding up the cover. If you're not watching on video, why? I mean, if you're listening while you do things like drive or cook or run errands and shit like that, I get, but why would you not just stream it on Spotify so that you have the option of glance? I mean, if you're driving, please do not glance. If you're driving, just listen on iTunes or whatever. But if you're not driving, why would you not just have it open on Spotify so you can glance down at the video from time to time? I don't know. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but it just seems like missed opportunity to me. Anyway, I'm going to read you a little something out of the book. And by a little something, I mean potentially an entire chapter. Okay, it's called The Big Snooze. And there's a quote at the top, Wanting to be someone else is a waste of the person you are by Kurt Cobain. Really, um, really nice quote. I don't think it relates to anything that's discussed in the chapter, but let's just move right along. When I first started getting into self-helpery, there was lots of talk about something called the ego that confused the hell out of me. I always thought that ego was about being conceited and braggy and all. I'm going to talk on and on about how great I am, and then I'm going to show you my muscles. (laughs) Wait, side note. This is such a stupid side note. Why are we going on this tangent? So when I was in Australia this last time, one of friends and his wife they have two kids and they're the most attractive cutest kids and the older one was three going on four and he he was really cute and kind of 
like shy and kind of flirty with me. It was really, really cute. But it was like, oh my God, you're so strong. And then he would do this and be like, I'm so strong. And if you're not watching on video, that's on you. That's on you. I'm not even going to explain what the fuck just happened. That is on you. This is going to be a private club that me and the watchers are going to be a part of and you're going to be left I'm just kidding. Um, he did something. It's not worth saying. But he kept doing it, being like, I'm so strong. And his dad was like, yo, you're showing us your fucking elbow. <laughs> it was so cute. Anyway, I just did a similar motion. It's kind of an inside joke between Ozzy and I. And I just realized you guys are not really on the inside of it. So yeah. Anyway, um, my muscles. Meanwhile, even though arrogance and conceit, which are different from self-love and confidence, by the way, are part of ego, they're not, as I later learned, the whole dealio. In the self-help slash spiritual community, ego is used to refer to the shadow self or the false self or the self that's acting like a weenie. It's the part of us that's driving the bus when we do things like sabotage our happiness by cheating on our husbands or wives because deep down we don't feel worthy of being loved or that refuses to follow our hearts and pursue an acting career because we're terrified to be seen for who we really are or that goes on and on and on about how great we are and shows off our muscles because we're insecure and need lots of outside validation that we're good enough. In other words, there's more than one way to go on an ego trip. From here on out, I'm going to refer to the ego as the big snooze, or BS for short. I think it'll be less confusing. Plus, I think it's more appropriate since the leading cause of sucking in parentheses, staying broke, dating morons, uncontrollably crying in public because we hate our lives, is that we haven't yet woken up to how truly powerful we are or to how massively abundant our universe is. Alrighty, so moving forward. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just going to move my drink because I'm paranoid that it's going to show up in the video and then it's a whole thing. Okay should be fully out of the frame now. I don't know. I need to, before next episode, really move some things around because I feel like I'm not, I'm not optimizing my space and the frame. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. The big snooze operates according to your limiting false beliefs. This is the garbage that was stuffed into your subconscious as a kid that doesn't ring true for you, as well as the decisions you've made about yourself that are less than flattering or empowering. It gets validation from outside sources. In parentheses, I'm doing this to win your love. Your opinion of me is more important than my opinion of me. It's reactive. I'm going to stop reading the parentheses. This is... I'm so sorry, but not a very well-written book. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Fear-based and extremely committed to keeping you safely confined within the reality you've created based on these limiting false beliefs. The Big Snooze lives in the past and in your future and believes you are separate from everything around you. Your true self or your higher self or your superhero self or your non-BS self, on the other hand, is the part of you that operates according to your connection to source energy. It gets validation from within. Uh, it's proactive, love-based, and is committed to creating a reality based on your limitless potential 
potential as soon as you wake up from the big snooze. Your true self lies in the present and totally believes in miracles and is one with the universe. We all experience life in varying degrees from both perspectives. And while I seriously doubt there's anyone who's totally snooze free, most people are so wrapped up in the BS that they're settling for realities that are way beneath what's available to them. Very few people are even aware of what's available, however, because we live in a fear-based society that loves to get all uppity mm, toward people who wake up from the big snooze, blast out of their comfort zones, and follow their hearts into the great unknown. Oftentimes, taking great leaps of faith is labeled as irresponsible or selfish or insane. This is because... Watching someone else totally go for it can be incredibly upsetting to the person who spent a lifetime building a solid case for why they themselves can't. I'm obviously generalizing and there are plenty of people out there cheering us on, but one of the first things you might have to deal with when you decide to wake up from the big snooze and make massive positive changes in your life is disapproval from other people who are snoring away, especially the people closest to you, lame as this may sound. They may express their discomfort in all sorts of ways, anger, hurt, bafflement, criticism, snorting every time you talk about your new business or your new friends, constant remarks about how you're not the way you used to be, brow furring, furrowing. It's, is it furrowing or furring? Furrow. It's spelled furrowing, but it's not, is it not pronounced furring? You know what the fuck I hate about the English language? The unreliability with pronunciation. Like, enough. Yesterday, we were walking past City Vineyard on the Hudson. If you're in New York City, you might know what I'm talking about. And I brought up this very astute point. Why the fuck is it not pronounced Vineyard? Why is it pronounced Vineyard? How the fuck are you supposed to know that? Like, this is the type of bullshit that makes the English language hard for people. Okay, moving right back. Uh, Brow furrowing, furring, who the fuck knows? Worrying, teasing, blocking you from all social media outlets, etc. Shirley, are you really going to quit your secure corporate job to open a nail salon when you've got two children, a mortgage, and high blood pressure? So few new businesses succeed, especially in this economy. Aren't you worried about what will happen to your family if you fail? By the way, another tangent, can we just talk about the fact that people always say in this economy, like I don't remember a point in my adult life where people weren't like, oh, in this economy. The economy is good sometimes, guys. We have a bull market sometimes. Yet, even in phases that have actually been called bull markets, people still act like it's the worst economy they've ever seen. Okay, going right back to the book. Of course, Shirley is worried about what will happen to her family if she fails. She wakes up every night seized by panic about it, but she's moving past her fear to create something she's really psyched about rather than dying a slow, painful death hanging around the water cooler with you, whining about how dry the cake was at the birthday party your boss threw for you in the conference room last week. Even though they're often doing it out of love and and concern, having others smear their fear and worry all over you is the last thing you need when you're strengthening your superhero muscles to step out and take some risks. So I highly recommend keeping your mouth shut around people who are going to bring you down. Instead, seek out those who are already totally kicking butt or who are uplifting their foot to do so, or people who you know will be supportive and confined in confide in them because you'll have your own internal freak show to deal with as you try to overcome the objections from your own BS. 
The big snooze is like an overprotective Italian mother who not only doesn't want you to ever go outside, but who wants you to live with her forever. Her intentions are good, but fear but fully fear-based. As long as you stay inside the familiar risk-free zone of your present reality, the big snooze is content. But should you try and sneak out past her to attend the rocking party outside, your overprotective controlling mother is going to claw, scratch, scream, bite, hurl her body in front of your rapidly approaching new life. Basically, she's going to do whatever she can to stop you and it ain't going to be pretty. It's like when you quit smoking or doing drugs and go into withdrawal. Finally, you've taken the leap and done something that is going to massively improve your life and for days, sometimes weeks, all you feel is worse than you did when you were a wild child. You're hacking up all this nasty crap, ridding your body of toxins, shaking, sweating, puking, wondering why on earth you thought this was a good idea. It's really fun. (sighs) Same goes for when we rid ourselves of limiting subconscious beliefs that have been holding us back and taking a giant leap outside of our comfort zones. I'm so bad at reading out loud. I'm sorry, guys. You know what? I'm going to kind of stop reading this because I think the point has been made. So back in 2017... I give up on the blog. And then a few months later, I'm reading this book and it hit me. And I remember I wrote in the margins. I was like, holy shit, this is like me with a blog. I start to do something. Everything's going great. And then that voice inside creeps up and is like, no, 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 don't do this. Everything was fine. Why are you doing this new scary thing? And I abandoned everything. And I remember writing about it, the margins. Unfortunately, I don't have my margin scribbles because I ended up coming to New York. I lived in D.C. at the time. I came to New York to visit a friend of mine. Actually, it was the main character who I talked about on last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. It's, I don't know, you deserve better than the people you've been settling for. So the quote-unquote main character who I talked about in that episode, a friend from law school, she was living in New York at the time. I was in D.C. at the time. I came up to visit her and I had the book on me because I was reading it and I ended up letting her, I just gave her my book because she was kind of reading parts in it while I was there or some shit. I don't know. Or maybe she was saying something and I thought this resonated or whatever it was. I ended up giving her my book and I ordered myself another copy and then I just never finished the book. But Here's the thing. I never thought about the big snooze again up until a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I'd been a couple weeks into sleeping without my phone in the bedroom. Now, if you're new here, this is a wild journey that I'm about to take you on. But just over a month ago, I stopped sleeping with my phone in the bedroom. So I plug it in outside in the living room and then I go to bed and I read a book in bed and I have this like super cute red light that I clip onto the book and I use a fully red light to sleep so that I don't get blue light pollution, yada, yada, yada. Right. And I want to say a week or two into me, maybe even just a week, I don't know, into me sleeping without the phone, I had tremendous resistance. Like I remember I messaged my friends and I was like, the way that I would sacrifice my firstborn just to bring the phone into bed with me tonight, like the way that I'm like, well, I've done it for a week. It's all great. But like tonight, I'm just going to bring the phone in and it's fine. And it instantly reminded me of this book and the big snooze. 
And then I didn't really think about it again, to be completely honest, until this past weekend when I was like, I don't want to record the podcast. I'm just not in the mood to record the fucking podcast. And I was trying to come up with every excuse. I was trying to find, you know, I mean, I thought about everything. I was like, well, I could just take a week off. I mean, other shows take a week off all the time. You know, if I'm not there mentally, emotionally, I'm not going to be able to perform well. And like, what the fuck am I going to talk about and this and that? Or maybe I can compromise and do an audio only podcast instead of with video, all these various things. But I remember thinking again, okay, Why is it that when we start making positive changes in our lives, we then want to give up and abandon the movement? And this happens all the time. We see it all the time. I mean, I think 91% of people abandon their New Year's resolutions. Think of, you know, people who want to lose weight, You start doing it, you start exercising, you start eating healthier, and then you just give up. And weight loss is a really interesting example because we know how to lose weight. Like we know exactly how to lose weight, right? It's just consuming fewer calories than you're burning. It's really fucking simple. We know exactly how to lose weight, yet the vast, vast, vast majority of people who want to lose weight, who often need to lose weight from a health perspective, are incapable of doing so. And it's not because they don't know how to do it. And yes, it is hard to a certain degree, but it's that big snooze that creeps in and is holding you safe that's keeping you there. Um, Think about if you just want to start meditation, you want to start going to the gym, usually the first few days, you're great. You're doing it. You're all about it. You're excited. You order new workout clothes. You get that new set from Set Active. They have really cute shit, by the way. If you're into athleisure, check out Set Active. They have really cute shit. I haven't ordered any of it, so I don't know how comfortable it is. And, you know, I'm very sensitive about feeling constricted in my tum-tum, so it might not be the right for thing for me, but check out their shit. It's really fucking cute. Anyway, you're doing all the things. You're going to Lululemon. You got the yoga mat. You get the membership. You're all set up. You're every day that you're doing it, you feel more lit up. And then day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, day 10, day 11, day 12, day 13, day 14, day 15, day 16, day 17, day 18, day 19. One of those fucking days, you're like, I'm just not going to go today. And then the next day you don't go and then you're done. You just are not doing the shit anymore, right? We've all seen this. You know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Now, what we don't see is how close people often are to achieving the thing when they quit. And we don't know that, but we have stories of people who almost quit, but then got the thing, right? John Krasinski, when he got the office, he had been trying to make it in acting for several years. And he told his mom, I'm going to try this for, I don't know, five years or something. And if it doesn't work, I'll, you know, give up, move home and get a job or some shit like that. He was, he was quitting. I think he was fully done. And then he got the off. And then he, he, I think his mom was like, why don't you try for one more month? 
or something like that. And then he got that audition for The Office and he got it and every everything changed in his life. Jenna Fisher, similarly, had been in L.A. for nine years, I want to say, trying to book something and nothing was happening. You know, she's doing a little bit of commercial stuff here and there, background work. She has, you know, an office job as an administrative assistant or some shit. She's just doing the things to get by in L.A. and nothing is fucking sticking. She was about to pack up her car and go back to St. Louis when her manager said, just stay for one more pilot season, one more pilot season. That's when she booked the office. Fucking Stephen King, his first book got 30 plus rejection letters before it was accepted. These people were at the brink of giving up and then they stayed And that one last thing got them. But what we don't have are the stories of all the people who gave up, who could have gotten it on the next audition, the next submission, the next whatever, the next day. These people were probably one day, one hour, one minute, one audition, whatever, away from getting the thing, but they gave up. So what's going on? Like, why is all of this happening? Now, before I get into it, I want to talk about something related but different. (laughs) Oh, sorry. If you're not watching, you have no idea why we're paused. But if you are watching, you know that it's because I'm going down on my outline so I don't forget anything. Okay, so... I am in a Mel Robbins coaching program right now. It's a six-month program. The first six weeks, there are daily lessons and assignments, and there's a 30-day quote-unquote project sprint within it, where every day you're supposed to take 15 minutes of aligned action towards a project that you set out to complete. And one thing we talked about kind of early on in in the program is In order to achieve some kind of goal, whatever it may be, you need two things and you absolutely need them. You need the why and you need the way. So the why is truly your why, your reason why you want to accomplish this thing, the reason why you want to manifest this thing, the reason why you want to hit this goal or achieve this thing. It's the reason, your anchor, the why. And the way is the how, like literally what you're going to do to achieve it. And you can never reach a goal unless you know these two things. And there are two types of people. There are the people who are really good at the why. They'll know exactly their reasoning. They're really anchored into it, but they're not good planners. They're not good strategizers. They're not plotting out the way, the things that they're actually going to do to achieve it. So these people will fail, even though they're so committed and anchored into their why, because they don't know the way that they're going to do it. And on the other hand, there are the people who know the way they're really good at planning, strategizing, making to-do lists, plotting it all out, but they're not as anchored into their why. And both of these people are going to fail at achieving their goals. And more specifically, There's something called Quitter's Day. 
And it's usually day 19 of trying to do something new. We specifically see this a lot with um, New Year's resolutions. I believe it's often the second Friday in January, which is right around the 19th of January, or it's right on the 19th. That is when the vast majority of people give up on their resolutions. And it's really easy, by the way, to hit Quitter's Day when you aren't seeing the results that you want. Let's say you decide that you want to start doing breath work, right? And you're doing it every day and you're going forth and this is great. This The first few days, you're so energized, you're so excited. But then on day seven, you have a full mental breakdown and you're like, okay, why the fuck am I bothering to do this breath work every morning if I'm still having mental breakdowns? What the fuck was the point of that? So you abandon, you throw in the towel. Let's say you're really jazzed up about dating apps, right? I see this all the time. People, get on dating apps, you're getting all the good people, you're swiping, whatever, it's going really fun, you're excited, you're like, holy shit, I could actually meet someone, if nothing else, I'll have a ton of fun. And then you get really burned out by it because you're not getting a lot of matches or let's say you're getting matches, but the conversation isn't going anywhere. Or let's say you're matching and you're conversing, but no real dates are coming out, whatever it is. And so then you just fucking stop, right? We see this all the fucking time. On top of that, there's this other concept, the 90-90 rule. So the 90-90 rule says that the first 90% of accomplishing something is going to take the same amount of time as the last 10% of trying to accomplish it. And we always see this. And this is a big reason why people tend to give up right before they get the thing. We see this a lot with weight loss, right? You start working out, you start eating healthier, everything's going great, your clothes are fitting better, you feel better, and then you hit a plateau. And you're like, okay, what the fuck? I'm doing all these things. I've been doing all these things. Why am I not at my goal yet? You throw in the towel, you're right back where you started. We see this with a lot of things. Let's say, you know, there's someone I know who was working through this wound of she would get so jealous. Let's call her Samantha, which is my dog's name. So Samantha would get so jealous when anytime her boyfriend, let's call him Saul, anytime Saul would talk to another girl or talk to his coworkers who were female or if they were out at bars and he'd, you know, just like a normal, like it's not like he was going out and flirting with chicks, but they'd be out in a group of friends. Let's say a girl was just within his vicinity. Samantha would full on lose it. And I mean, she would get really nasty and stuff. And it was really this huge problem in their relationship. So she starts working through it, right? She's figuring out why she gets jealous, what wounds are triggered, things from her past that happened, you know, of her first boyfriend did something kind of shady to her. And even though they were 11, it still had this ongoing thing for her. There was stuff in her parents' relationship watching it. So she's working through all these wounds. She's making a lot of progress. They're able to go out to bars and she's not losing her mind in jealousy anytime she thinks some chick might be talking to Saul, even if he isn't. All these things are going great, 
But there's still the lingering thing where when they're at work all day, she's kind of spiraling about Saul's female co-workers. And she, so she starts getting better. And she's like, why the fuck am I doing all this shit? Why am I putting all this work in? Why am I digging up all of these really painful memories and working through them? Why am I putting myself through all this shit when I'm still triggered all day while he's at work? And she just gave up. She threw in the towel. It's the 90-90 rule. She'd worked through 90% of it, but that last 10% was so hard and so heavy that it was going to require the same amount of effort as the first 90%, but she just couldn't stick through it. Okay, so what the fuck is going on here? What does all of this mean? Why are people experiencing these things? I have two ways of explaining this. First is the scientific explanation. The second is the more woo-woo explanation. And you take whatever resonates harder with you. The scientific explanation is that it's your brain protecting you. Now, something I repeat a lot on this podcast is the fact that our brains are really just doing their best to keep us alive. That's kind of all they give a shit about. And our brains will always prioritize and choose something that they know over something that they don't know, even if the thing that your brain knows is something that it doesn't like, something that is actually bringing unhappiness, because we don't even know what the other thing is. So your brain is always going to choose the devil that it knows, even if it is a fucking devil, even if it is bringing you unhappiness, because the other thing could bring fucking death, you know? So it's, it's better to at least be alive and be unhappy in your brain's eyes than to take that risk and do something different, because that could be a lot scarier. It could be a lot worse. So in 2017, my brain is like, okay, Sure, I have this intense, deep soul desire to be seen more, to be putting out in a creative way, to be sharing ways to live a happier and better life with people, but... I've been playing it safe for so long. I've been in school for a million years. I've been going through the motions. I've been in office jobs. I've been doing everything by the book. And that feels really fucking safe. And do I like it? No. Do I fucking hate it? Yes. But I don't even know what this other thing is. And this other thing is fucking scary. So let's just stay in the safe place. Now, in the beginning, when I started the blog, that, you know, true soul part of me that was so excited that really knew that I wanted this on a deep soul level was like, fuck yes. And it was the louder voice. But guess what? A week or two in, then the quote unquote big snooze, that ego, the part of my brain that was trying to keep me safe was able to overpower and be like, look, bitch, you've been doing this. And yeah, maybe you've seen some results, but like, let's go back to the safe place, the easy place, because that place is so much easier. I don't want to keep putting myself out there. Sure, nothing bad has happened yet, but it could, it could happen at any given moment. I mean, no one's made fun of you to your face yet, but definitely. Definitely the people you went to law school with think it's fucking weird that you're suddenly posting pictures of your food on Instagram. And like, yeah, maybe, you know, you're not feeling the effects of the fact that everyone's judging you, but everyone's definitely judging you and wondering what the fuck you're doing. And look, you still don't have 4 million followers. (laughs) And so it's all for nothing. And you don't have, you know, sponsors and podcast ads and this and that. And 
yada, yada, yada. You get the drill. It is that part of your brain trying to protect you, trying to stop you from taking risks. Now, the woo-woo explanation, it's the universe testing you. It's the universe saying, hey, you want this thing? I want to give it to you, but how bad do you want it? Are you going to stick with it through all of this fear I'm going to throw your way? Are you going to stick with it in the face of all of these limiting beliefs that are coming up? Are you going to stick with it? Now, if the woo-woo explanation resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, I mean, you might find yourself asking, I always ask, why the fuck would the universe test you? Like what, like, what is this some kind of video game? Like why would there be a test? I don't have an answer to that. So if the woo-woo explanation doesn't work for you, it sometimes doesn't work for me. Sometimes it does. I don't know. I go back and forth. The scientific explanation does hit. Now, I want to take a second here to differentiate between what I'm talking about and what is true burnout. Burnout just means you need a break. Burnout is rectified by rest, but what I'm talking about is resistance, and resistance is not rectified by a rest. Resistance continues even if you take a rest. Let's say, for example, you want to write a book. And you set this intention, you're like, I am going to, for 15 minutes a day, work on this book. You know, I'm going to outline, I'm going to start writing, maybe you want to write 10 pages a day, whatever the fuck it is, whatever. Let's go. So on day 18, you really don't feel like it. Days one through 18, you're going, I mean, days one, two, three, you're so excited. You're so proud of yourself. Days four, five, six, you're, you know, a little less excited, but you're still there. You're showing up. And then days seven through 17, you don't really feel like it, but you're doing it. And on day 18, you don't fucking feel like it. You have no idea what the fuck to do. You've been writing for 17 days straight. You've written everything that you can think of. And now you're like, I don't even know what the fuck to write. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to add. I don't know what to do. All I want to do is I want to sit on the couch and I want to watch my shows. And the Vanderpump reunion was just on. And I want to eat a bag of salt and vinegar chips dipped into some plain yogurt, which if you've never done, you have to try. It's this Persian thing to dip chips into plain, unflavored, unsweetened yogurt, like a Greek yogurt kind of vibe. It is so fucking good. Oh my God, go try it right now. My favorite is with salt and vinegar chips. I particularly like Kettle brand salt and vinegar chips, but you can try it with any chip. It's so fucking good. Oh, maybe after I record this, I'll do it because Ozzy bought a bag of Kettle Brand salt and vinegar chips yesterday and I have some coconut cult plain unflavored yogurt in the fridge. So maybe we'll fucking go. I don't know. Anyway, you don't want, you don't feel like it. You just don't want to do it. Now, if it's true burnout, You take a few hours, you chill, you rest, you meditate, maybe you take a nap, maybe you watch an episode of a show and eat your chips and yogurt, whatever it is, you take that rest and then you get up and you do your 15 minutes on the book. Or, or let's say you even take the full fucking day off. You come back, the next day you are recharged and you are ready to go. That is burnout. But when it's resistance, you take the day off. 
And then the next day, you don't even go back to it. And you're sitting there thinking like, why am I even doing this? Everything is okay. Why? You know, I, I've kept you alive. Like, why are we writing this fucking book? Everything is fine. Why are we rocking the boat? That's what's going on with resistance. You start thinking about like, what will people think? What if it's a failure? I've been doing this and I, I'm still not where I want to be. Why keep going? Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should just go do a normal thing. Maybe I should just go live a normal life. That is your fear. That is the part of your brain that's trying to keep you safe. It is not burnout. And I think one of the greatest disservices that modern wellness culture has done for us is it constantly constantly encourages us to take the easiest way out. Oh, you're just tired. Take a rest. Oh, modern life is so hard. Oh, we're pushing ourselves too hard. Oh, take the rest. Take the break. Don't do the thing. Oh, positive vibes only. I don't know what voice that is. I have no idea. It's like a weird accent plus a weird voice. I don't know. But it's constantly encouraging us to take the easy way out of things constantly, consta-fucking-ly <laughs> is telling us, oh, think positive and it'll be fine. No, bitch, don't think positive. Feel your feelings. Feel all the heavy thoughts. Go in and do that inner work. Oh, just take a break. Yeah, sure, take a break, but then get right back on fucking track because it's not a break that you actually want. What you want is to no longer feel the discomfort of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. That's what you're actually chasing. Okay, so you're hearing this, you're like, okay, this is all well and good. I hear what you're saying, but what the fuck do I do about it? You have to anchor into your why. Going back to the way and the why, this is usually happening because you're not remembering your why or more likely your why wasn't that good to begin with. Your why has to hit on a part of who you are as a person, a part of who you are authentically on a soul level. So let's say the thing, the goal that you're trying to achieve is you want to lose weight. And let's say the why that you set for yourself is because I want to feel better or I want to look better. That's not good enough. Keep asking yourself why. Okay, I want to feel better. Why? What will feeling better do for you? What will it accomplish for you? Why is it that you want to feel better? Is it because, you know, you're approaching your 50s and you're about to have grandkids and you want to be able to run around with your grandkids? Boom. That is a good why. Is it because you, um, I don't know, one day maybe you want to run a marathon? It's a dream you've had ever since you were a kid. Can't relate, but that is a really fucking good why. Is it because you want to be able to go dancing on the weekends and stay out till 3 a.m. and not feel winded and like shit? That is a good why. These are all good whys, but you really, once you come up with your first why, ask yourself why another five times, and then we're going to start hitting a deep soul level thing. And to take it a little bit personally, when I was really working through my attachment wounds, I asked myself, okay, why am I doing all this? Why am I 
bringing up all of these memories that are so unpleasant, that are so heavy, and why am I working through them? Oh, it's because I want to be able to be in a healthy relationship. Okay, why? What do I actually want? What kind of relationship? What would it look like? What kind of activities would we do? What would this person I want to call in look like? How would I feel in my body in this relationship? And I pulled up a very vivid image of this relationship where it's just, it's fun and it's light and we're giggling together and it's I'm not constantly living on edge of oh my god are we gonna make it another day because there's so much conflict and chaos in this relationship and I seem to be incapable of not picking fights and not threatening to break up and not making things catastrophic I just want to giggle and I want to feel sunshine on my skin and I want someone that I'm connected with and working through this and You know, I'll even bring it to present day for myself. As you probably know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm constantly doing the self-improvement work. I'm constantly doing this shit. I'm constantly, one thing I specifically do is I'm constantly keeping track of my triggers and working through them. Even though it's hard work and even though it's really unpleasant, one thing that's coming up for me a lot lately is I have this extreme trigger around losing things. I think I told this story a long time ago on the podcast of one time I lost my night guard and I fully, I mean, I lost my mind right along with that night guard. I was screaming, throwing things, throwing things out of the dresser, trying to find it. I called Ozzy. This was well before we lived together and started crying to him about it. I called the cleaning lady and started to screaming at her. Oh, by the way, it was 1230. It was 1230 when I was doing all this because A, because I fucking love my night guard, but also because I'm so triggered by losing things. Just yesterday, I lost my AirPod case. I had them when I left for the walk. When I came back, I didn't have them. And I could not. One thing specifically that triggers me about losing things, it isn't the money or the logistics or things like that. It's the logic of it that makes me lose my mind. It's like, where the fuck is this AirPods case? I just had it and now it's gone. There's no reasonable explanation. Now, when I lose things and there is a reasonable explanation, like another time I lost my AirPods case and I realized there was a hole in the lining of my pocket. And so it just fell out of my pocket. That didn't trigger me because I understood the logic of it. I understood that they were lost and I just went to the Apple store and I got another AirPod case. Now, because I'm a self-aware queen and I'm constantly working on myself. Last night when I lost my AirPods case, I didn't fully lose the handle. I didn't start throwing things and screaming and crying and waking Ozzy up and making him go through all of it with me. I instead was like, hey, Ozzy, I just want to explain to you, this is hitting me really hard because I'm very triggered by losing things. I need to dig into what the root of that is. But in the meanwhile, tomorrow, I'm just going to go straight to the Apple store and I'm going to buy another AirPods case because my mental sanity is worth more than a hundred dollars. And that's exactly what I did today. And what I'm about to do when I'm done recording is I'm going to climb into the sauna blanket and I am going to put on one of the blush guided meditations that helps you kind of get to the root of your triggers. And I'm going to unpack why it is that I'm so triggered by losing things, what the root of it is, and work through it. And this is hard work. It's a lot harder work than just being like, yeah, why wouldn't I be irritated by losing my AirPods? I mean, it makes no sense. It's eating time out of my day and I have to pay $100 to go get a new case. So why the fuck wouldn't I be irritated by it? Sure, maybe you have every right to be irritated by it, but I'm 
so I'm so self-aware and I just know that there's something deeper to it. Why do I do all that? Why do I put all of this work in? Because I know from experience that every time I work through a trigger, there's some kind of magic on the other end of it, whether it's, you know, being able to be in better relationships, have healthier relationships, or it's career success, whatever it is. Every time I have worked through a trigger, something good happens on the other side of it. So I work through through my triggers. That is my why. And to bring it back to the top of this episode and the reason we're even talking about any of this shit and the resistance that I've been feeling about recording, everything that I do in my career, whether it's this podcast, my Instagram presence, whatever it is, it's because I have faced these things and I figured some of them out and I've figured out how to move move through them and live a happier life. For example, the attachment stuff, right? I was severely anxious in my interpersonal relationships and I figured out how to move to secure and now my life is so much better and I'm in this relationship that's so fucking good and I'm so fucking happy and I want other people to be happy just like me. I want other people to experience the freedom that comes from not having anxious attachment or not having an insecure attachment and With the podcast specifically, I constantly anchor into my why, which is that I want this show to grow because I want more people to hear it because I think the world would be a better place if more people listen to the show. So when I hit the resistance that I did this past weekend and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to record. I don't feel like it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I have to share Instead of just being like, I'll just take this week off because hashtag you deserve a rest and hashtag don't push yourself too far and hashtag boss babe, girl babe, wellness, what mental health, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I'm like, wait, I want to anchor into my why and I'm going to pull up that vision that I have of a world where people go on dates without playing games, where people aren't asking, you don't have to ask your friend, oh, what should I text him? Oh, how long should I wait to reply? And everyone just says what's on their fucking minds and no one is having to prove anything and no one is having to analyze what this other person meant. Oh, oh, he's not texting me, but he's looking at my Instagram stories. What does this mean? And the divorce rate goes down and people are happier. People live more free. People, I want to live in that kind of world where people aren't playing these games, where they're excelling, where they're having good relationships, where everyone is happier. And I know that if more people listen to Blush, we can move towards that kind of a world, not to sound too fucking egotistical, but frankly, whoa, whoa, what did I just say? Quite frankly, I don't give a shit if I sound egotistical. I don't care if it sounds like I have a big fucking ego. Look at me. I have a big fucking ego. The show is good and it helps people and the proof is in the pudding because it helped me and look at where I am now relative to where I used to be. So when I meet that kind of resistance, I remember that this is the world that I'm trying to create and it requires me showing up here every fucking week and recording something and doing the post-production and doing the video and sharing the clips on Instagram and showing up every day on social media, even when I don't 
don't fucking feel like it because it's all in the service of this bigger, higher good. So when you are facing your own resistance, whether it's to the inner work, maybe you're in the Blush Academy and you started it and you felt really good and now you haven't really been showing up and doing the guided meditations daily, or maybe, you know, it's with the gym or a project at work or a side hustle you're trying to create, whatever the fuck it is. Remember your why and remind yourself of your why over and over and over again and get detailed, get, you know, have a vision, have a little movie that you play in your head, like that movie that I play in my head of that free world where people are just happy and giggling in the sunshine and doing rooftop barbecues and not spending their time anxious because they haven't heard from someone or anxious because their partner is at work and there are a lot of female coworkers or anxious because they're not sure where this is going. No, we want a world where everyone is speaking their minds. No one is playing games. You don't have to worry if someone's just being nice to you because they want to fuck you because we don't do that shit in a blush kind of world. And that's what keeps me going. So figure out your thing and figure out how to stay going. And while we're at it, help me (laughs) achieve this blush world and make it a true reality by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. Screenshot this episode and put it in your Instagram stories and If you do so, please tag at BlushPod so that I can see it and share it. And you know the drill. Honestly, just leaving a review helps the show so fucking much. And we do our monthly giveaway. So if you leave a review for the show and either put in your Instagram handle in the review or screenshot the review and email it at uh, not at, sorry, email it to theblushpod at gmail.com. I'll enter you into the giveaway at the end of the month. I'll randomly select a winner and the winner gets a free six month membership to the Blush Academy where you get access to all of the courses. <sighs> okay. Thank you so much for sticking through this with me. I'm sorry that I came in with weird energy. You know what? I take it back. I'm not sorry because you're welcome for still coming, even though I didn't fucking feel like doing it. But that's the thing. You just push through. You remember why and you show the fuck up because we are not going to let the big snooze win. We are not. We are better than that. Most people let the big snooze derail them and never achieve their goals. Not us, baby. Not us because we want to live in that blush world. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.